You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. And we live in color. Welcome to our latest episode of We Live in Color. I am here today with a wonderful guest, the Black Auntie of Seattle. One of the best singers in Seattle. I can give you a whole little resume, but I'm just so happy that you're here. Audra Boo, what's up, girl? What's happening? I'm so, hey, friends. Yes. Hey, I don't even know what camera. I'm no, looking at all the cameras. Camera, we, uh, camera, camera. Hey, friends. Hey, boo. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having you me. You know, you have, since I've known you, and keep in mind, you knew me before I knew me. So, <laughs> but I want people to know your history and your legacy, and not just in music, but just in in Seattle, period. So can you tell us a little bit of how you've gotten started? How did you get to be Audra Boo? I try to say that well, as sexy as possible, but... <laughs> and I love it. I appreciate. Um, well, I'm born and raised, Seattle baby, um, by, you know, in a house with my grandma, who is very Louisiana. Uh, and so... Just I wasn't raised, I guess, typical Seattleite, um, but born and raised here, all over the South End, Rainier Valley. I lived in the CD, uh, Rainier Beach, Genesee. I'm all over the place, and um, really, kind of, I guess, how I became Audra Boo is uh, I was doing a lot of theater at Rainier Valley Youth Theater um, at the time. Was inside of what's now the Rainier Art Center, and you know, it really started out as like senior year. There was an audition in my school and uh, we was all like done with schoolwork, with classwork. And a teacher's like, you know, if you get done, you can be excused early. And we was trying to cut, but somebody <laughs> had to go and like, okay. you know, prove that somebody went. And I went. And so I ended up um, doing shows right in Rainier Valley. And at some point, like I was doing like not just acting in the shows, but like stage management, stuff like behind the scenes things. And I started doing poetry around that time. And I didn't want no one to think I was whack. Okay. So I changed my name to Audra for that purpose. And as I just kind of was like growing into, OK, Audra feels good. Like, that's nice. You know, I added the boo at some point and it was on a jacket. So then people will see me. And it's like, Audra Boo, Audra Boo, Audra Boo. Then it was on my name tag. And then, you know, years later, now it's on my ID. It's my actual name. I did not. See, last week I just had Coach T. And I didn't even know he legally changed his name. And now here we are. Let me tell you, name changes is the business. Right. Right? Like, you get divorced, it's free. I mean, the divorce ain't free. But the name change part (laughs) is. So I was like, well, since I'm already, like, I'm already. But... As far as, you know, being on stage, I did so many years with um, Rainier Valley Youth Theater, probably until uh, maybe 2005. And at that time, Brown Box yeah. moved into the building oh, I and Brown I did Box. stuff with Brown Box. So with how, Brown. What, can you tell us a little bit about the impacts of those two organizations for you, you or know, community in general, right? Let me tell you, theater is the best place for you to like hide in plain sight. And really, that's what theater was doing for me. I was just going through some things in my personal life. And as a kid, like you just, you know, you don't often know or have the resources to do a thing, 
right? So what's the best, the next best thing? Like be on stage playing somebody else, living a whole other life. And so I learned how to do that with Rainer Valley, with Brown Box. I also ended up going to Freehold on a diversity scholarship, which I need to finish what is, eventually. What is Freehold? Freehold is a super intensive theater school. Um, it used to be on Capitol Hill in the Odd Fellows before it became like a restaurant. And now it's, I believe it's still in Belltown. Like I think it lives there now. So, you know, Felicia Loud was a big proponent of why I went there because I knew she went. And, but I had also been pushed by people to go and to like learn how to really be in theater. So that's where I got a lot of my theater training between Rainier Valley, Brown Box and Freehold. At some point I was like, ah, like what's next? What's the other thing? And a friend of mine who I was like kind of falling into, um, or at least in a time when I was falling more into the queer side of myself. Okay. A friend of mine was a DJ, DJ LA Kendall. And she had some songs and um, had an opportunity to hear me sing acapella and was like, we should do some stuff. And I was like, absolutely. So yeah, that's to, how I started saying. Let singing. me ask you this. Yeah. You said falling into the queer side of yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, being from Seattle, right? And you know how we were not as inclusive. What was that like, let alone as a, as a woman in this community, right? You know, typical to Black folks, we don't talk about those things, right? It wasn't something that we discussed at home. And like in my household, it was a lot of men who love women and like, I'm not going to say that it was like womanizing, but you know, there was reasons why these men love women. And I too saw that and shared in that feeling. I knew I was queer when I was a kid. Like I can pinpoint some moments in life where I was like, Ooh, but also like my family was like, you know, in the hood and you don't, you just don't be out here like that. And so I wasn't. And I remember a few times where, like, my brother um, would ask me, like, is that you? And I just didn't know how to have the conversation with him, nor did I want to, because I just didn't know how it was going to go. And so I just I kept it. I kept it for myself until I started working on Capitol Hill. And then it was like, oh, my God, I got all these people who also are just like out here, like living. I should be living. And really, I, you know, I did live quietly. Yeah. You know, I lived quietly what until was people that like started. For you? you know, it was it was what it was. Like, you know, I guess at the time I was, you know, more identifying as bisexual. And so I'm like, I dated a lot of dudes. I got kids. You know, it was just like it seemed normal and it kept the normal side. But also, like, I didn't want to date women in the town because a small, small group, small group of black women. Right. Everybody know each other. And I'm like, I was hanging out at Wild Rose. And at the time, there was this group called Team Gina. They had this song called Wife Swapping. Right. Where it's like That's in the whole world. Song? What is that? that? Is a Local song. Seattle or local group? This is like old okay. back in the like early 2000s-ish time. <laughs> <laughs> like. What like just back, but in this song, wife swapping, they were basically talking about how like in the whole world it feels like it's twelve lesbians and you dating the exes of your friends and like you ain't having no kids and all this extra stuff, right? And I'm looking around, I'm like, man, 
Wild Rose had hella people who was like, that's my ex, that's my ex, that's my ex, and you dating somebody's ex. I'm like, y'all not going to talk about me like this. Okay. So I just, I just kept it to myself until I, you know, every now and again, I might, you know, be into somebody and my friends would be like, oh, oh, like, yeah, that's me. I just don't be out here like that. And so now, you know, now I'm in my forties and I'm like, I don't even need to hide it no more. Like, man, we out here, we gay. But I I think it's really powerful for you to say like, that's what we had. That's what, that's just what we did. That's just what we did, but just be, be in isolation in some way, which ways, because you're not being yeah. your whole self, right? Yeah, even even in school, like, you know, that's that's the thing that's so interesting about black culture, right? You're like, okay, in school, you know, you got your gay friends, right? But no one's saying it at church. You know, you got your gay church members, but no one wants to talk about it. Like, okay, you play in the keyboard, but it's more than just the keyboard. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm not saying that's, that was at my church. The keyboard player, she was very much married. It was fine. But it's like, we know that we got these people. And yet we don't even want to give them the respect enough to be them their whole self. You know, I'm like, I remember the gay people in my family who was like, you knew they were gay, but just no one talked to it. And that was like kind of bummer, right? But also, did I know that was bummy at the time? Did I did I understand that? Like, no. What I did know was that, you know, once you start talking about it, people are, you know, they kicking you out. They they what's it? Uh, they pushing you out of community right. and making you feel a certain kind of way. And I don't want to do that to people. And I didn't want someone to do it to me. Were you ever pushed out? No. Well, I can't say no. Were you ever exclusive? I, what I what I will say, how I will say it is that when I finally like when it was visible to my family, you know, we had a few moments of like, eh. I didn't talk to my brother for some months. You know, me and my mom had a fallout. And I think it's because also like there's that thing that happens where if I don't see it, it's not happening. And so once they had to see it, it was like, uh and so, you know, but we got over that because I love my family and we are tight, right? Like, I love my bro, where's his soul? And we became tighter afterwards. And it also opened up a, like a new way for us to communicate that we didn't have. And like, it took out the fear. And so that's, you're just, you know. You're just, you're just so fearless. And I, and I just appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate what you just gave me during that first step. Now, when we come back, y'all, we're going to get into Fly Moon Royalty. You're watching We Live in Color. Hi, my name's Dan Wilson, uh, former catcher for the Seattle Mariners. It was a privilege for my wife Annie and I to be a part of the reconciliation tour that journeyed through the heart of the South to embrace our storied history, the sport of baseball, and the ongoing challenges we continue to face. The opportunity presented to the student athletes and coaches from Seattle, as well as the community of West Jackson, have created a memory that will last a lifetime. But we don't want to make that memory short-lived. I invite you to join me and our community on September 27th for the premiere of our Reconciliation Tour film at T-Mobile Park's Ellis Pavilion from 3 to 5 p.m. Hear from those on the front line and a special guest as we elevate our promise to bring healing through play. For tickets or to donate, visit baseballbeyond.org or check our social media platforms. I hope to see you at the ballpark. I really like being on the team because I can't beat nobody with just only me. I need help. 
And we're back. And I'm here with Miss Audra Boo. Now, Audra, you were just saying, like, you know, you found yourself as you went to Capitol Hill, as we all have, right? But you also Absolutely. did it through music. So can you tell us a little bit about Fly Moon Royalty? Yes. So Fly Moon, that's uh, myself and Michael Vester. Um, and additional family members, you know, Taryn, Hot Legs Dorsey, um, Kayla Bailey, we all, I'm going to just put them all in the family because really Fly Moon couldn't even be as bomb as it was without the addition of family, right? Uh, Mike had moved here in like 2009, I believe, from Michigan, from uh, Grand Rapids and came here, you know, with his rap group, um, you know, just looking for opportunities. And so we we're just like at work bonding over everything. Stevie Wonder, like R&B music, textures. And he's a white dude, if y'all didn't know. And like this dude is like your black auntie's favorite DJ. I said what I said. So, you know, we were bonding and um, that was really kind of working with him. I was in a group as well with Kendall. We were called Luxury AK. Was that So that was first? That was first. Okay. And we didn't have a producer. And so him and I had made an agreement that we would, um, you know, if I sing on some stuff for you, can you produce for me? That's kind of how we got into that. And then with Mike, the probably the best thing to come from that is, you know, now I get to come from out of hiding, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, where theater was like, I hid in plain sight. Now I'm like, I get to tell a bunch of stories I get to tell my story. I get to tell what I've seen and I love a good story. And in that, I think that was like the doorway to me really getting to be the person I want to be. Um, I wrote a lot of music off of my own experiences, but also off of some of his that I would just watch and lyrics wise, like I don't box myself into anything. That's what I was going to say. Now we went to a friend's house. I'm, well, I seen you at a friend's house and they had your CD on, I think it was on a record player. And I want to say like your music is so eclectic. Who are some of your influences? Now, I know you just said Stevie Wonder, but I just want to hear a little. Oh, bit yeah. More. I mean, I grew up on funk and soul. I grew up on SOS band, Morris Day in a Time, Prince, Vanity. I, I grew up on like the, the grimier funk, you know, also a lot of Evelyn Champagne King, like. And I also was a 90s baby. So I love like Jodeci, Mary J. Blige. Maxwell. Maxwell. Like, uh, I grew up on good sounds. And the thing that makes me love music is the texture of music, right? The texture of Black music is untouched. It's unmatched. Black, black people writing, performing, like we tap into a thing. Like we tap into some griot stuff from like clearly majorly ancestral right so that's you know that's the thing like i love aretha franklin i love tina turner i love like when you're getting the lyrics when someone's singing to you and they sing it to you they talking to your soul right and that's the kind of writer that i think that i was trying not even trying to be that i wanted to be that i hoped people would see so you know and also because i was already in poetry it just like gave me like, oh, here's all like another way to put it. Right. And that's really kind of how that came about. Like if, if it ain't got texture, 
then I probably don't even stick to it too tough, you know? Yeah. It's like good ribs. So you then know? I got to ask you, as a writer and a poet, what song do you play? What, what song that you've written puts you to t- makes you, gets you emotional? You know, I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily a one, okay. right, that makes me feel any kind of way. I think that there's songs that definitely speak to where I was at. And one thing that Mike would always say to me is that once you write it and when you sing it out, once it's out there, it's now not yours. It belongs to the people. It belongs to other folks who gravitate to it. I'm like, probably the one song that people get the most juiced about often is a song called I Miss Her, right? And I wrote I Miss Her just being real clowny about someone who like basically would pop into my DMs like after I already hooked up with somebody else. Like the timing was off. The timing was always off. And, you know, like cool person, you know, we were clown and whatever, but it was like, I wrote that song so fast. I just like garage band recorded the whole thing, like in moments. And then I was like, oh, this is kind of, hmm. And I put it out. Like I recorded it all just back, just vocals, right? I hummed, I sang all the stuff I snapped and I put it out and people were like, that's rude. That's rude. Like I just broke up with my person and I didn't even need those feelings. And I was like, oh, we should make that our actual track. And that's kind of how that came out. And it's, you know, even like going through a divorce, all these things, like it just, that song hasn't touched me the same way. And, or maybe I'm just, you know, compartmentalizing, compartmentalizing. I know how to use that word, I swear. But it, I just, you know, once it's out, it's out. It's, it's for other folks. And then I get to just be in a background like, ooh. And I still have songs that I haven't written because... I was like, um, you know, I might seem fearless, but I'm also like, I'm real. I'm a real person. I got feelings. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want to just hurt my own feelings. Right. Ooh, you know, ooh, so. That's deep. Hurt my own feelings. Now, yeah. you, you know, as you went through the the transition through working with Fly, Fly Moon more royalty, right? I know that y'all been together since when? What year? We officially started. The, like, I think our first recording was actually at the end of 2009. Okay. Dang. And yeah. So like we had been collaborating really since then. Like we just, we picked up on it quickly. Let me tell you, when you find a person who like hits your musical taste, taps into like the things that you get excited about, you don't waste no time. I didn't waste no time. I think I might have asked him, was he like one of the members of Mad Rad? Because I don't know everybody in Seattle and I wasn't in music, but he was like a white dude with a, you know, a little beard. And I was like, ah, and he was like, no, 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 no. That's not me. Like, like those dudes. That's not me. And so like we traded music early and I was like, "Okay, okay." And he made me work to get like like our first recording like he had hella beats and I was like oh like give me give me give me give me and we like we just was hitting it we was like hitting it it was great and that's like you know I tell people that's my brother from another mother you know I've gotten a chance to meet his family and like go hang out with them even in Michigan like for shows and I'm like man that dude opened me up right and so now I feel like I'm a better I'm a better writer because I had someone that pushed me and he, he absolutely pushed me. Well, shout out to him. But I mean, 
look up and look at you, right? Because you also went into teaching music yourself. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, yes. I I don't often think of myself as a teacher because I think that when you have when you have the knowledge, when you have a gift, you're supposed to share it with people, right? And so I'm like, you know, I've taught some classes and done some workshops with folks, but I think I'm more like, I just want people to be able to get it. So here's, here's what I did. Here's how I got it. And I just use what I've learned in the past to, you know, to inform that oftentimes I will send people to other people who are like, okay, you're an instructor because also I didn't learn anything like traditional. I didn't go to school for music. Like I just inherently had things in my soul. I needed to get out. And so I'm like, if people are trying to learn like notes, I know who to, t- to, to send you to. I can connect you to folks. But I'm like, if you want to learn how to breathe, how to let loose, like that's more of the stuff that I get into. And now I get to, you know, just kind of guide people in some different ways to find like what's your own inner power. See, and that and then that also led you now you're a part of the music commission. Now, yes. when, did that, when did that come about? Um, I have now been on since 2021. So just in the last year, uh, I knew that the commission was a thing because um, when Fly Moon had a manager, uh, our manager was also part of the commission. And there would be like a bunch of these uh, meetups and things, you know, at Spitfire and at like Wade's when it was still Wade's and the CD. Um, and so I knew that the commission was out there as like this bigger representative for the music community. Um, I didn't always know what they did exactly. I just knew that they were always asking questions and that, you know, change was being made. And I was asked by a couple different people if I would be a part of that. And yeah, 2021 clearly was my year to sit on there. I sit on there with a lot of really who, amazing who, who people. Who are some amazing people? Um, well, as you know, Miss Casey Carter, who, you know, we both yes. know, shouts out to Miss Casey Carter. Um, and offline, let's talk about the banana pudding thing. Got it. Cool. Um, also, like Jason Clackley, who is the artistic director at Vera Project. Um, there is there are people from all over, people from all walks, Jovino Santos Neto. Um, Andrew Jocelyn. So there's composers. There are people who work in promotion, people who own venues. Like it's a really, it's a really thick community of musicians and and music lovers and people who want to see the best for musicians. And I'm like, yeah, like I get to have opinions and people's listening and it's respected. And it's with people that you know that we're talking about music here, right? Absolutely. Like, I love that. And I, you know, sometimes I sit on those meetings and I'm like, you know, I'm muted and I'm just like, you know, chiming in the background and feeling all my feelings. And I'm like, you know, I think it's wild that, well, it's not wild, but I think it is wild that like, I get to take what I get from community and like show up to these tables and have a seat at the table to be able to say like, this makes sense. This is what we need. I ain't worried about these people over here. I'm worried about these people right here. And like, here's what they want. And so like, you know, there's a lot of good policy that, that we're working on and a lot of good change that we're looking to do for musicians in town. It's kind of bomb. Well, you're bomb. So you are everything. Now, when we come back though, We'll be talking because she is not only an auntie, she's also a mother, okay? So we're going to talk a little bit about motherhood and what is next for Audra Boo. You're watching We Live in Color.
Oh no, y'all! That commercial was fire. Sorry. <laughs> Shout out. We are back here. We'll be living color, and I'm here with my boo, Audra Boo. Hey. So, Audra, you know, we talked a lot about music. We talked a lot about coming up in community, but above all those things, your mother. Yes, what I got it? three kids. Three kids and a grandbaby. And a grandbaby. I'm my grandmama. So, what was it like going through? I mean, being a queer musician in in community and let alone having to work through that but being a mother first how was that process you know it was actually it wasn't it wasn't too hard to do those things um you know in transparency my kids basically um for most of my music career had lived in Tacoma with their dad or stepmom and so you know our thing was like every other weekend um, and so like once I was able to start bringing my kids to shows, like if I had all ages shows before my oldest had turned, you know, 18 and 21, like I would bring them to shows that I could bring them to. And like it was kind of alive to see them like reacting and responding. I met my daughter is like super tall. So like, you know, at the beginning, like she would come over and she'd be like, who's that? Who's trying to talk to you? Like, do you know this person over Security. here? And I'd be like, calm down, like calm down. But uh, and then, like, even at school, like, my daughter sang one of my songs at her talent show, and I was like, this is this is dope. Also, I cried in the car the whole way home. I was like, this is my baby singing my music. But it was like, you know, it, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard for me to be open with my kids. I love my kids. And now I have a, you know, four-and-a-half-year-old, and, like, you know, he's he's going to get it different because he came into a two mom situation. Right. Right. And so he is going to get life in a different way than they did. Right. And with, you know, with my oldest two, I have a 22 and a 19. And like, that was just a different time for me. Right. I was still just trying to figure out who I am at first and then trying to really work it all out. And I love my, I love all three of my kids. They are bomb. And now I got this grandbaby who like, you know, she's sassy. Okay. And so she's also going to see life in a different way. As the generations pass, like, you know, we're going to see that these kids is getting smarter by the moment. And it's, it's easier for them to understand what's happening. It's grown folks who got the problems, yeah. who want to stop you from living your life, who want to stop you from being your whole self. But these kids know what's up. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, right. Were there any challenges for you? Like I'm thinking like pandemic wise or just more so of just challenges for you that almost stop Audra Boo from being Audra Boo? You know, I wouldn't say that it, it was so much stopping me from being myself, but the pandemic definitely put a, a hand on what we do, how we do it. You know, with my youngest, like, you know, there was some time loss between us because of COVID and that's not bomb and it is what it is. Right. And we've been able to tighten that and to strengthen that. I think it just was more like, you know, trying to be in real life, like having to think about like, I'm going to see my child. I can't be out here without a mask. I'm, I'm also immune compromised, but I don't want to have my kids out here in a time where like they couldn't get the, the, um, the vaccine quite yet. And so it was just like, man, the amount of care, that you have to put into where you are, who you're in community with, who who's in your pod, right? And so that was really more the challenge. But I think that, you know, as we as we grow through this, you know, you just have to find the ways to do it, 
to do the thing. And like my older kids are, you know, they're super independent. Like my son is out here. He's working. He's living in a new place and like just doing his thing. I love that he responds to me when I text. Okay. Right. You know, my daughter is also in West Seattle. You know, she doesn't live with me. She lives with my mom. And so I'm like, I also get a chance to like be in a space with my child. And like, we got to now, you know, like define for us, like, okay, who are we as an adult, you know, as our adult relationship? Like, you know, now I'm like, Ooh, okay. There's things that you're doing. Right. That I'm, I don't know how much I agree with or not, Yeah. but I'm like, I can't come at you like you 16. So that's, that's actually the new challenge. Like, okay. I have a grown, a grown up child and I need to like make sure that we're on a level. So we're working through that. Those are like the real things. Like I think for anybody, you know, as you're growing up with with kids, with a family, you have to just alter and adapt all the time. Yeah. But has it stopped me from being me? No, I think I'm my own problem. Right. I'm the person who has stood in the way of Audra being Audra. Well, you, I mean, the the question is, right. So you. Fly Moon Royalty just ended, right? Finally, yeah. right? At this point. How did that how did that feel? Let alone y'all should have been out there with Converge on that pier. <laughs> um and Shana Shepard, shout out to fam. Um, yes. what was that like for you? Um You know, that show was special for a lot of reasons. It was special because it was black women at the front. It was special because uh, it was also Night Train's last show. And Night Train, uh, for those of you who may not know, is an all black woman punk establishment. And they were act really active, you know, in 2010 and kind of on from there and really impactful band all for black women, for strong black women. Listen, and they were actually the first person, the first people to give us a show when we started performing. We had a whole other name. We were called Sugar Water Purple. What was it called? Hold Sugar on, wait. Water Purple. Okay. Um, well, we, hold on. You got to back that up. Yes. Why were you guys called Sugar Water Purple? So it's a Dave Chappelle sketch, right? It's like he was talking about, you know, there's that commercial for um, Sunny Delight. And it's like he said, look at that black kid. He ain't looking for no OJ. He looking for that purple stuff. And <laughs> the, the ingredients were sugar, water and purple. Okay. So, <laughs> you know. We started going by Sugar Water Purple until another band from L.A. was like, we've been Sugar Water Purple for six months already and we already got a following. And can you please, you know, can you please change your name? We're going to ask you politely. And we were like, Hashtag oh, Lady A. Ha oh, listen. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. OK, these is other black folks who was like out here doing it and it was not no shenanery. Oh, okay. That's hashtag Lady Shenanery. Hashtag Lady A. Don't be out here talking about Lady A and you, the A still stand for antebellum anyway. Yeah. <laughs> said what I said. Yes. But um, again, like, yeah, so Night Train was done and Night Train put us on. And, you know, it was just like, this is the time. We actually had our official very first last Fly Moon show in 2016. When I was just like, okay, I think I've like, I've hit a wall, you know, I again, a different time. And I was like, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to, to not do it. But also like people kept asking us to come back and it was like, okay, summertime, like we're doing shows, we're, we're getting paid. This is nice. But at this point, I think that like, as I am starting to really get into trying to develop our Black Hot Sunday, which is a, a whole thing that I do with curation 
of just blackness. I'm like, I really want to put more of my focus there and I just need more of my capacity to do it. And I love Mike. I love like, you know, Third Shift who's danced with us for ages. Kayla, Taryn, Takia actually started dancing with us back in the day. Kayla was our first backup dancer. Um, Her and a friend of ours, Lady Tata's. And so I'm like, it's been nice to be on this journey also with people who I love, who I Fs with, you know what I mean? But I'm like, okay, I need to put my focus like squarely on what I want to see, what I want to do, what I want to feel. And I want blackness as like this bigger thing. I'm like, as a musician in Seattle, you know, there's, you can't help as a black musician, but have some kind of connection to whiteness, right? We just can't help it. It is what it is. But I also know that I love like an Afropunk situation, right? I love black folks and all the things that we can do, that we can achieve. I love that we started so many trends, even in music, like black folks started so many things and haven't got the proper respect. And I want it. I want blackness to just be on glow for everybody. So I want to put my focus there. And like, you know, that that moment was the moment, like with that moon behind us, too. Oh, my God. It was amazing. Like the pier was showing out. You are the y'all were the reason to me. It was pretty much black music matters. Absolutely. The whole night, let alone shout out to Trey, who hosted the event. Uh, But it just it was I remember that that moment when Shana was performing and we just had our arms around each other. We Absolutely. Had a, we had a whole moment. It was like a whole moment. The whole thing, the whole thing was vibes. It was vibes. It was like, man, the feeling was right for everybody. Like, ah, the mute, the, like the lights was on point. Like everybody was glowing out there. And I'm like, I want to, I want to see more of that. I want to be a part of making more of that happen. Well, how can community support you through that space? Listen, I have a website. It's AudraBoo.com. I got Venmo and Cash App, right? I got a link tree, link tree forward slash AudraBoo is on my Instagram where like if you want to support, there are places that you can go. I also, you know, I want people to hit me up in community who want to do things like, hey, how can I be a part of this? Um, You know, I am actively trying to set in motion um, with Central Saloon, with a group of friends, uh, a Black Hot Sunday, Black Market for first, the first, was it first uh, Thursday Art Walk on December 1st. So I'm like working to that and I want businesses, I want Black businesses to like just get it, get it for the holiday. And then it's like a Black, uh, just a hella Black show, right? We did this um, in August and it was like, you know, a baseball game and like Hella stuff was going on, but now we got time. And I'm like, I just, you know, you can help me by hitting me up and asking me how you can help directly. Because at different times, I need different things. So, you know, work with me, collaborate with me, like love blackness and like promote it when I post it, talk about it and then show up for it. Say it one more time. Show up, show up in community, come to the things and show that, yeah, like, Blackness is important. You know, I'm not an all lives matter people. I'm a black lives matter. When the black lives are taken care of, everybody gets taken care of. So I'm like, you know, I don't know how everybody else feels about it, but I just, I love black people and I want us to just 
get the glow, get the bag, get the glow, get the shine. You know, I, you know, the glow and the shine is coming. You know, we got some events coming up, but we're going to talk about that after this last commercial break. You're watching We Live in Color. I love you, Audrey. I love you. Hi, my name is Dan Wilson, uh, former catcher for the Seattle Mariners. It was a privilege for my wife Annie and I to be a part of the reconciliation tour that journeyed through the heart of the South to embrace our storied history, the sport of baseball, and the ongoing challenges we continue to face. The opportunity presented to the student athletes and coaches from Seattle, as well as the community of West Jackson, have created a memory that will last a lifetime. But we don't want to make that memory short-lived. I invite you to join me and our community on September 27th for the premiere of our Reconciliation Tour film at T-Mobile Park's Ellis Pavilion from 3 to 5 p.m. Hear from those on the front line and a special guest as we elevate our promise to bring healing through play. For tickets or to donate, visit baseballbeyond.org or check our social media platforms. I hope to see you at the ballpark. I really like being on the team because I can't beat nobody with just only me. I need help. We are outside this weekend, but before we get into the events, Audra, we do this thing called We Live in Color Tribute. Who would you like to, who, if you had to give your flowers to someone in your community, who would you give them to? Look in the you camera. You know, Deontay, I'm going to give you my flowers. I'm going to give you, I don't know if people give you flowers enough. Like you're in all the things, you're in all the spaces and you show up for people in all these various ways and like in a, in the realest, truest fashion. So I'm going to give you my flowers while you still here. I appreciate you and what you're doing for a community, especially with this show. Um, But also like with your activism and your work outside, like, you better get it. You better get it. You Aquarius <laughs> know how to pull a brother. <laughs> you know, hey, you need your flowers. And I mean, there's a, the even the act of giving flowers is like, you know, it's it's newer to me, I guess, in the last, like, you know, in the last few years, like, in in a way that's, you know, just makes you really have to take some things into perspective. And, you know, even with, you know, this week, losing people, yes. like, you know, we got to get flowers more often. Absolutely. And we're going to show some of our events. And one, I love you. I would get up and hug, but it would mess up the camera angle. But, you know, <laughs> Don't yeah. mess up these angles, so we're gonna but we're going to do it after, we, after the camera goes off. We're going to show some of off. these events we got coming up this weekend, man. Now, okay, Lituation is on Saturday. It's going down. Lituation, <laughs> yes, hosted by Coach Giggs and my boo. And yo, what? D Dynasty. The other boo. Mm-hmm. Okay. My bag. I cannot wait for that. It's going to be great. We got the photo booth coming out. I got the little photo booth. D Dynasty's performing. Uh, I mean, hosting. MCN. MCN. Yes, hosting and for have sure. Have you heard Coach's new song? I did. I did hear he outside. it. He I, outside. Yeah, he outside. I, I I would love for him to perform that, but I'm just I'm just I just can't. I, hey, it's September. We got one more weekend. That's so right. I cannot wait for that. So y'all be sure to come to Lituation at Julius. Okay, it's gonna be lit. That's right. The next event we have. Let me see. Okay. So as we were saying, we we lost a, a loved one this weekend over the yeah. past week and how it's impacted our community. Lasaviana was amazing. Shout out condolences to 
our brother and family and friends that are out there. But there is an event that is coming up at the comeback um, on the 30th. Thank you very much, Lady Chablis and um, the comeback community members that are yeah. there, you know. I think yeah. that it's, it speaks a lot. Like you said, giving people their flowers while they're here is super important. And um, again, uh, here at Converge, we want to send our condolences. Yeah. I mean, you also can't forget that on Friday is Legendary Children. Yes, legendary Children. That is this Friday. And, you know, you can come out and really give your flower to folks in community right there. Yes. And, and shout out to Alexa Manila and Brick. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and when I say they've been so supportive, Brick had me come out to one of her events, which is just amazing. She'll oh, be a absolutely. guest, so we'll be talking about that a little later. Yes. <laughs> but I'm just so excited for those events. And one of the things that, that I noticed when I was looking at the events throughout this weekend and next week, stop saying there ain't nothing to do in Seattle. There are things to do. There's things to do. I mean, I'm emceeing at our day also on Saturday from four to ten. Okay. And so I'm like, and that's free. And where is in that Georgetown? At? Okay. And speaking of Shayna Shepherd, who we love, Shayna's gonna be performing with the True Loves. So that's a soul establishment. You know, Travis Thompson's gonna be performing. It's gonna be music, DJs, beer, gin. Which I'm I'm going for the gym. I'm gonna be there for the gym and the MC. Okay. But like, yeah, there's always something to do. You just gotta just know who to tap into you to get invited. Tap in with you, cause you the truth. Tap into me, cause you know I'd be <laughs> out here. It's in the stories. It's in the posts. I'm telling you about all the things I think you should go to. Audrey, you are so supportive, and I appreciate you, my sister. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for teaching community members that not only black black music matters, but how to live in color. And I love you. Thank you. I love you, too. Love you. Now, to, now tomorrow, y'all. Yes, I said tomorrow. We got an exclusive interview. OK, I don't know if any of y'all watch the Zeus Network. OK, I love Bob. I love you, Bobby Purr. But I have an exclusive interview tomorrow at 5 p.m. with Hot Wheels. I cannot wait for this interview. Um, it's going to be at 5 p.m. right here on Converge. There it go. Right here on Converge. You do not want to miss it. And keep in mind, his name is Hot Wheels, but his first name is Anthony. We need to know exactly how he got where he's at and how gun violence is running rampant in our whole communities. We're going to support our Texas brother tomorrow right here on Converge. In the meantime, continue to live in color and live in love. I'm Deontay. Have a great night. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.